Assalamu alaikum. You are now tuned into the T3M podcast, the realest podcast in the game. We got the T3M with a very special guest today. We got brother Bashir. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, brothers. How's it going, brother? I'm going pretty good. Um, the pandemic's slowly going away, inshallah. Uh, it, it seems like it. So, yeah, um, spirits are good right now. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, when I was uh, just going about the YouTube rabbit hole, I found a video about uh, an ex-Ahmadi or an Ahmadi prof who kind of exposed Ahmadi. And believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, that is this brother right here. So I want you to go a little bit into, you know, we're just going to go in. Tell us a little bit about your background. You know, how old you are, where you live right now, um, where you used to grow up, everything, your education. Just go right in. Sounds good, brother. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in my early 40s. Um, I'm, I'm from, I'm from uh, Pakistan, from the Punjab. I'm a Punjabi boy, as we all say, you know, uh, a lot of Punjabis out here, you know, mostly Sikh, a lot of Sikhs out here, but I, I'm a Punjabi guy. Um, I grew up in America. I, I was actually born in the Ahmadiyya uh, or the Qadiani Ahmadi headquarters, their old headquarters in Rabwa, Pakistan. And I my parents brought me here when I was like six months. So I, I don't even remember it like any of that. So I was six months when I came to America, um, got naturalized in like the early 80s and uh, came from a highly uh, um, fanatical Qadiani Amdi family. Now, uh, my dad's brothers were not like that, but my dad was like that. Um, so uh, as a part of that, um, we would pray every morning. Uh, for Fudger, I was the muezzin. I, I'd wake up to uh, to give the azan. I have like a big voice, you know. When when it comes to azan, you know, I think uh, the juid the juid is important, but having a big voice is also important, especially when there were no like microphones didn't exist. So um, so yeah, I came from a, a fanatical, sacrificial uh, Gadiani Amni family. We, we had a small business like a tire shop, um, used tires, and uh, I worked in that. And we'd wake up every morning and uh, read Fajr. My dad would um, teach us Arabic and we'd read the Quran and then we'd uh, go to work. And the majority of the money that we would get, I'd say almost all of it, we'd give to the Ahmadiyya movement. Um, so, uh, so I questioned it when I was 11, 12 years old. My biggest issue with, with it was the corruption of, of the people at that age. You know, at that age, there was no Google. You know, Google didn't exist in 1990. So what could you read? The only thing you, that you could read with was a book if it was in your house. So wow. um, I didn't have access to the literature of the Amity movement. And it wasn't even in English. There were maybe a few books in English by uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. So, so um but I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I said, okay, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe, you know, I grew up in the, in the street. So uh, I grew up in, in, in the crack 80s. If you guys are familiar with the crack 80s and how bad it was when there's no cameras, <laughs> when there's no cameras, you can get beat up and the cops won't know about it for two hours. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, so uh, it was pretty rough, you know, and I saw hustlers and pimps and prostitutes on the street. So I, I knew about the hustle. I knew who was hustling who and why they were hustling. And in Amadea, I saw it. I didn't see genuine people. I saw, you know, I saw people who were who were hiding something. And uh, my dad would, would do a dawa at our tire shop, you know, and he would love to tell Christians that Jesus is dead. And he had me memorize all the arguments and um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, but I had a problem. Um, uh, 
uh, doing the dawah because he he wouldn't say that um, Amnesties believe that Jesus died in India, right? And I I couldn't understand uh, why would he start a conversation with a Christian saying Jesus is dead, but then not say that we believe that he died in India at age one twenty five, which is the most ridiculous thing, the most ludicrous thing anyone has ever heard. You know, uh, forget about Jesus being dead being ridiculous and ludicrous. This is even more um, ludicrous than that. So I didn't share the same conviction of Dawa. I just couldn't do it, right? So, so, um, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I said, maybe I'm just a kid. Maybe I'm wrong, whatever. So I continued to believe in it. Um, when I was 19, I joined the U.S. Air Force. And uh, uh, I, worked on, I worked on like Boeing aircraft and, and was going to college for aeronautical engineering and fixed a lot of aircraft in California. I'm a California kid, you know, uh, uh, and grew up in Cali and um, grew up in the diversity and um, uh, joined the Air Force, uh, traveled around the world. I, I was in when 9-11 happened. So that was rough. Uh, my brother and dad told me never pray with Muslims. Gadiani Amdis will not pray with Muslims. So I, I, had, I was in, in Texas and I wrote home in boot camp saying, hey, I'm going to go to this mosque. There's a mosque on base, on base. They have a space for Muslims to go and pray. All of a sudden, uh, like two days later, or like a week later, I get a letter from my brother saying, don't go. You are not allowed to do that. It's not cool. Uh, you know, uh, and I said, OK, I won't go. So I, they, they deterred me from learning about Islam, from even being around Muslims. Qadiani uh, Amnis in, in the West don't even have Muslim friends normally. So. So um, as I was about to get out, so I was there for 9-11 and uh, I actually fixed some of the aircraft that bombed Afghanistan. Um, I, I mostly fixed uh, refuelers, but I also had hands on the B-1s and the B-52s. So, um, and I grew up a, a mechanic, so I was real fast with it, um, uh, with the wrenches and the crowbars and the screwdrivers and I didn't care if I got dirty. So, so, so that's a little bit of the background. And then I, my parents wanted me to get married. I was like 24, 25. So, they, so I agreed to it. Uh, I went to Rubwa, again, where I was born, and it, which is like their unofficial headquarters. And I married an Amity girl from Rubwa. And in Rubwa, I was confused because the mosques were empty. And, and I was hanging out with my cousin. And this guy's smoking hash all day, right? And I'm like, and I'm just shocked about this whole thing, right? And then... Uh, so I'm like, Dude, I, I, I got to check my email. And so we, I go to an internet cafe and these guys are watching porn in the internet cafe in the most holiest city, the second most holiest city of Amazia. So I immediately get up and leave, um, go back and, and tell my cousin, hey, what's going on? And he goes, oh, that's very normal. That's very normal around here. So I'm just confused. And um, Mirza Glamam's books were in Urdu. By 2004, like two were in English or three were in English. Now it's like 40 of them in English, like half of them. So I could read Urdu, but very slow. You know, it's, it's something I don't want to do. You know what I mean? Because I got to sit down and with, with my alphabet just to be sure. So, so I started reading and I was in college. I graduated college and I, I figured out this prophethood thing. And I said, what? I said, hold on. In Islam, chapter 33, verse 40. Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't have. He's not the father of any men, and and he's the he's the Hatman Nabiin. He's the final prophet and the best prophet. Um, no new prophet can be born. Um, and I figured out the Islamic 
theory. The Islamic theory is Isa al-Islam is going to return, but he was born before. So that doesn't affect things. It's like, um, you know, uh, th th there's exceptions to many rules. In fact, uh, uh, Isa al-Islam's life is a sign. It's, it's an exception. The way he was born and he, you know, with the help of Allah, he brought uh, a bird back to life and a human back to life, uh, etc. Right. So I, I, I was perplexed. Um, then I found out there were Lahoriamlis and I, I had heard about them. I was like, who are these Lahoriamlis? Well, um, the most famous Lahoriamli was a guy named uh, um, Muhammad Ali, not the boxer. Uh, I think the boxer took his name. So um, um, the Lahoriamlis denied the prophethood. Of Mirza Ghulam and I was like, I was like, okay, with, with the Shia and Sunni issue, the Shia aren't denying the prophethood of the messenger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, this is a big issue. This isn't like a small issue. So, so I go to my local mosque and I ask the Imam, what's did 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 Mirza Ghulam Ahmed say he wasn't a prophet initially, and then towards the end of his life he said he made a mistake and he discovered a new type of prophethood that he never knew existed. And the, uh, so I asked this to the, the Amdi Imam, and they don't call themselves Imams, they call themselves Marabbi, like, uh, like rabbi. And he's dumped, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the answer to the question. So he, 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 he immediately calls me a non-Amdi in front of like 20 people. And, I, and I'm just like, what? How am I not an Amdi mm. anymore? Because I asked the question about prophethood, right? So he closed the, the session and then afterwards he made me clean. He made me vacuum the, the mosque and I couldn't, you know, I was like, maybe this is some third world primitive way that they teach kids. I don't know. But I'm asking, like, I, I'm a college graduate at this point. I've read these boring Boeing technical <laughs> manuals on aircraft maintenance that make no sense. You got to read them like 50 times and then go actually go and do the job for it to kick in. So I'm like, I can read and write pretty good. I, I've read Islam from just the, the um, uh, I think uh, Tafsir uh, Ibn Kathir had come online in 06 or, or, or 07 and I was reading it and I'm like, okay, uh, this is not right. It's not, I thought growing up Ahmadiyya and Islam was close. That it was a closer, ish, you know, we were, this is far away. It's not as close as they, they uh, made it sound. So um uh um so 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 he still didn't have an answer he still didn't have an answer that that's how how they got rid of me and at the time i was working in my in my brother's company that was a small business uh it's a long story you know how he came into control of it so i started asking him hey bro you know like like a bro would ask his older brother bro do do you know what this is do you know that mm. islam is different and this is he immediately turned pale immediately right and now the business is doing good he won't give me a raise um he won't make me a business partner and we grew up in this thing right he just won't give me any time off i literally didn't take a vacation i i, I think i worked for him for eight years didn't take a vacation i took one sick day right so so um so so all, all that's going on and i'm like okay i'm in trouble i'm married to one how am I going to get out of this? You know, I, so I just said, okay, I just won't say anything. I'll, I'll just back off of religion altogether. So I stopped going to their mosque. I stopped praying. I stopped doing um, Ramadan. I stopped doing all of that. And I said, okay, I need to figure out what this is. I got to mm. back off 
go back to zero and figure out what's going on here. And Alhamdulillah, that was what, what caused me to go back to the Quran, go back to the Hadith. And, uh, and that's a long and short. Of, I, I, I don't want to take too much time to give you the longer version, but, uh, but I ended up losing my job. My, my brother, he ends up spying on my computer. He ends up, he ends up hiring uh, Amadis in this company, which is like discriminate, hiring discrimination against the law. And they start spying on my computer. And I'm like the vice president of the company. And I got these guys spying on my computer. They, um, they go back and tell him, hey, your brother's reading and uh, Amadia awareness websites. He's going and seeing what Amadia is about. And he doesn't go to the mosque. He doesn't give us any money. He doesn't go into, for, for Ramadan, for Daravi, nothing. They're like, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a fake. He's a fake. So uh, I end up, they, 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 they end up, ended up um, poisoning my wife against me. It was terrible. I ended up having to divorce her. Um, crazy, crazy story. But Alhamdulillah, they planned. Allah had a better plan. While all this was happening, I ended up getting two master's degrees. I, uh, I, I got a doctorate um, in, in education uh, three or four years ago. And, and, and my graduates, uh, I have like an MBA and a master's in, in management. My undergraduates, aeronautical engineering, which I totally left. But um yeah, that's the long and short of it. And then as I quit Amadea in 2015, I, I sat down with the Quran again. I so so I officially quit in 2015. Um, I sent an email to my dad and my brother. I, I went and spoke to my dad. I told my dad, I, I told my dad, the reason I quit Amadea is because Mr. Glomel was on opium his whole life. Just look at his eyes. You know, in where I'm from in the hood, they see that as a customer, a potential customer, when your eyes look like that right so so um uh that's what i told my dad and uh and that was how i quit so then it I, it took me six months to a year in 2016 i read the quran and pondered on it and then i said the shahada with a local imam i, I love the guy he's a younger imam too uh um so uh i said the shahada came back to salat came back to uh well i don't think i was ever on salat because when you're a kadiani amdi it doesn't even count so I mean, mm. I don't know, I don't know what that's even about. But uh, now I find comfort in um, Islam. You know, um, uh, uh, I find comfort in in Salat, in Ramadan, in knowing that when I die, I'm going to return to Allah. Um, and a, as I read more and more and more, uh, I, I read the truth about uh, Isa al-Islam, the details. And yeah, that's the long and the short of it, brother. I hope I hope I didn't go too long. You were spot on, man. Perfect. One last thing. What are you currently doing now? How is life going? Oh, so 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 right now, uh, I'm like a tenured accounting professor. Um, um, and so that's what I'm doing. I te teach mostly online. I, I've, I've like pioneered the, the um, curriculum for free textbooks. And uh, yeah, I mostly do that. And I was going to the gym, but with, with the pandemic, uh, no more basketball, no more pickups. So uh, yes. In the last year, Alhamdulillah, I, I started a blog, a YouTube channel, and I've been working on that, um, working with other uh, ex-Amdis, um, inviting them to Islam as best as I can. Uh, that was a little hard, especially when people are uh, are cussing at you on, on Instagram. I've got Amdis on me, on me all the time, talking about my kids, talking about uh, spreading false rumors about me, so... Just trying my best to tell people how I came to Islam and 
hopefully Allah will guide them. Mm-hmm. Inshallah. I mean, you got hella enemies, man. That's a sign that you're speaking the truth. Because all hella of the prophets, all of the Nabi, um, you know, alayhi wasalam, they all had they all had a lot of opposition. You know, if you if you're speaking what's going with the status quo, if you're aligning with Ahmadi values, they're not gonna speak against you, right? But anytime you want to say something against it, it's gonna be it's gonna raise some eyes. Right, for sure, man, for sure. Yeah. So uh Rami, you got any questions? Allah. So what would you say was the first um argument that you heard from the Ahmadis that you were just like, no, that doesn't make sense? What was like the the, the beginning of, of the end for your Ahmadiyya? Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, when when I was a kid, uh, Amnis believed that if you eat pork, it'll make you gay. And I was like, but I know Amnis who are gay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, hold on. You know what? That makes no sense. What? So so that was when I was a teenager, like that. And then the Jesus in India, Jesus went, um, traveled to India and died in India in Kashmir. That's far fetched. That just and then then if you guys have a Quran handy, they um, reference chapter twenty three verse fifty, which talks about the birth of Isa al-Islam, not his death. And they flipped it and said, no, it's about his death, right? So then they, they also say not just Isa al-Islam went went to India, Maryam also went to India. And it was like, well, why did she run? <laughs> why did she run away? They didn't have any beef with her. You know what I mean? No, they weren't mm. after her. She was like an older woman at this point. She was like, if if Isa Laslan was 33, she was like 45 or something. So didn't make any sense. Those those two things. And I didn't even know about the other stuff until later. Mm-hmm. Man, subhanAllah. Got a question. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. Craziness, absolute craziness. And then when I grew up and went to college and did the research, I found how they came to this and i was like no that's academic dishonesty total <laughs> dishonesty why you know okay i understand if a muslim says okay i want to believe that isa is dead isa al-islam is dead okay bro you can believe whatever you want sitting in your house and you you want to believe something that makes no sense okay but these guys have a motive and the reason they're saying it is because they want to prove Mirza Ghulam Ahmed is a prophet and the Messiah and the Mahdi. And he also claimed to be Krishna. You know, that was his marketing strategy. It's something for every for everyone. I don't know why he didn't claim to be Buddha so he could, he could go after the Buddhist. But he, he claimed to be the second coming of Krishna. But that's nowhere in the Hindu literature, anywhere, that Krishna is going to come again. So, mm. Yeah. Right, subhanallah. So yeah, I know you told, told us you did aeronautical engineering. So right now we're going to do some reverse engineering. Let's go right back. All right. We talked about the background. Let's talk about Ahmadiyya. What is it about? For a lot of people following so far, it sounds like a cult. It sounds like this trap. But I want you to talk about it. How did it start? Where did it originate from? What separates it from real Islam? Right, right, right. So it started under British colonialism and uh, um, in British India. And anywhere the British were, the, um, the other hotspot was Egypt and the Suez Canal. And the British needed that Suez Canal. So you'll see some of the Islamic scholars saying similar things to what Mirza Ghulam Mahmud was saying. Like they were all saying that Isa al-Islam is dead in, e- in Egypt. A few of them were started to pop up. So it's a total British agenda. And here's, here's how it happened. 
1857, there was a huge mutiny amongst the British army of Indian soldiers. It had to do with the Enfield rifle. The Enfield rifle needed to be greased with a beef and, and pork packet of fat. If you shoot it a few times, you got to lube, you lube your gun. So the Muslim and the Hindu soldiers were like, we're not going to bite into this and pour it into our gun. It's, it's, it's against our religion. So they rebelled against the British and almost won. Um, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed's family, his dad and his uncles and his brothers went and helped the British. They didn't help the Muslims who, or even the Hindus. Um, and, and remember, there weren't that many guns in British India, right? Right. So whoever has the guns is going to win the war. It's really that simple, right? If, if, if you got rocks or whatever, you're not going to win, bro. So um, the Mirza family did that for the British. The British gave Mirza Ghulam Ahmed's dad an entire village, six other villages, a pension. So, uh, so Mirza Glamam is now living in the lap of luxury. He didn't go. He was like 20 years old or something like that, or like 17, but he broke his right arm when he was a kid, so he can't lift a cup of tea. Uh, forget a, a rifle or a sword, right? So, so uh, then he goes and works for the British government. He worked as a clerk in their court. So what prophet do you know that worked the job in the court of the, the job or the court of the enemy? You know what I mean? So he goes and does that for four years. He learns their law system. He learns, you know, what we, I mean, can you imagine uh, working in a courthouse for four years and hearing arguments every day and learning all the loopholes and, and learning if you go to court, I've been to court because I'm divorced, right? All you got to do is go there and have a story. That's it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not, right? They'll hear you out. So he knew all this. Another phenomenon was going on. I'm not sure if your brother's a Pakistani or, or Indian, but uh, the oligarch uh, college in India. Um, um, uh, have you guys heard of that? that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan? No. Yeah. So he comes out with the oligarch college and this new idea. He talks about Muslims should obey the British, et cetera, et cetera. He says he's the first Muslim ever in the history of the world in, in the 1870s to say uh, Isa al-Islam is dead and never coming back. He doesn't just say that. He says that, that Isa al-Islam was actually on the cross. He was hung on the cross, whereas Muslims never believe in this. Muslims, uh, chapter 4, verse 157, um, uh, he was not hung. You know, Salabuhu... Um, so, so Amli's flipping and say, no, he was not killed by crucifixion. But the sentence before that is, he was not killed, right? He was not killed, nor was he hung. So Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan says, no, he, he was hung, but he came down, he was alive, and, uh, and he died at that point, right? So that, that's the second, okay, he also, Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan was the first Muslim ever in the history of the world to deny the miracles of Isa, al-Islam. He said Isa never, never brought the dead to life. He said, he also said uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't go on the mirage physically. It was a dream. He said uh, Adam al-Aslam was not the first man. He said uh, um, uh, uh, Isa al-Aslam wasn't born miraculously. Um, so almost everything he said, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed copied. And, and, um, and, and, and he lived, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed lived like 60 miles away from Oligar. They even invited him to come give a lecture. 
he shows up and then he flaked because he never gave a public lecture. He never led uh, a hutbah jamaah. He never led prayers. Uh, um, right? So, so this is the background of what Mirza Glam Ahmed is growing up into. Someone else has laid the groundwork, right? So, so Mirza Glam Ahmed says, I'll just claim to be a prophet and Muslims will listen to me because Muslims aren't listening to Sir Sayyid Ahmed. Huh? They're like, who the hell is he? Right? We're not going to listen to this guy. So, so Mirza Glam Ahmed writes his uh, Brahini Ahmadiyya. He says, hey, Muslims of India, I'm going to do you guys a favor. I'm going to write uh, 300 arguments in support of Islam. Give me your money. So Muslims give him money and say, hey, you know, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed was a, a Ali a Hadith. Um, have you guys heard of the Ali Hadith sect? Yeah, so it's sort of like the Wahhabis of India. Not exactly, like it's similar, right? And in India, the, um, the Mughal Empire, it was Hanafi fake. The Ottomans were also Hanafi fake. In West Africa, it's Maliki fake. In East Africa, Africa it's Shafi fake. So Muslims don't have sex like this. Muslim in Islamic empires, you could be a Sufi, you know, and Shias were tolerated, but you you can't really break into different sects and etc. So um, um, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed affiliated with the Ali Hadith, uh, and and they gave him a lot of money. He 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 writes this book, and it's incomplete. He he writes uh, four volumes, and in the three hundred arguments, he only gives one, and his one argument. He says Allah speaks to him. So it's like, and he, he in that book, he um, denies that um, Isa did any miracles. Um, right? So he's leading on. He's just leading on. Uh, so that's the backdrop. The, um, some of the ulama already did a takfir on him since he denies the miracles of Isa, Islam. You're denying the Quran. If you deny a verse of the Quran, you like you're like not a Muslim, right? So he was immediately called a Kafir, right? So a lot of people said, no, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we're wrong. A few years later, he claims to be the Messiah. He says he's 50 years old. He says, I, I had a dream uh, and uh, uh, I was told that Isa al-Islam is dead. And it's like, dude, but Sir Sayyid and like the, the guys in his college have been saying it for 15 years. No one told them, <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't hear a whisper, you know? Where did you get this whisper from, All right? So, so that's the backdrop. He claims to be the Messiah. This is 1891. And then he says, all the Hadiths on the Mahdi are wrong. And he says, there's only one Hadith on the Mahdi that's accurate. And it's from, uh, I think it's uh, Abu Daud or, or Ibn Majah. It's a famous one. Um, La Isa fi Mahdi. Um, no... Uh, or um, La Madi Fi Isa. And, and it basically says there's no Madi except Isa. Well, well, this is a, a Daif Hadith. This is a weak. This is weak, bro. Stop taking the weak Hadith and the weak stuff and, and put Mirakida on it. That's incorrect. You go to the clear things and, and, and um, develop. So he claims to be the Madi a few years later uh, in a slick way. He just wrote it on the, begin on the top of his book the uh, Madi of the era or something like that, but he denies prophethood. He says, no, I'm not a prophet. He says, when, when, when Isa is going to return, he wouldn't be a prophet. So I'm not a prophet. He's just a muhaddis, right? So for 10 years, he says, anyone who claims to be prophet is wajibul katl. He said it. He says, as a kafir, you can't claim to be a prophet. In 1901, he writes a book, um, Correction of an Error, and he says, I made a mistake. 
<laughs> I was a prophet this whole time. It's been 20 years. I was a prophet. I didn't know it. Anyone can be a prophet. He says, when, when you recite the Surah Fatiha, you're saying, uh, I think the last sentence or the second to last sentence is, guide us on the right path. Uh, he says, everyone's praying to become a prophet. I'm the only one, the first one to achieve it. He's saying prophethood's achievable, which is not true, right? <laughs> I mean, if it was achievable, Abu Bakr, <laughs> I mean, mm. Umar, Uthman, Ali, you know what I mean? If it was achievable, it's not achievable. Uh, um, um, even the prophet had a son, uh, Ibrahim, that died. You know, and if he would have lived, he would have been a prophet. So, so that's what rattled me about Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, about him. He lied about his prophethood for 20 years, finally claims it. Uh, the Lahori Amdi say, no, he didn't claim it, finally. Uh, then Mirza Ghulam Ahmed starts to, to claim to be the second coming of Muhammad, astaghfirullah. He says, because the Mahdi that is, is supposed to be just like Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right. In a lot of ways, I think he would have the same name. So he's trying to spin this issue. Right. But the Mahdi is separate from the, from the Messiah. <laughs> right. The Messiah is the prophet. The Mahdi is not a prophet. So a lot of twists and turns, brother, like you can't learn this stuff in a year. I'm about 16 years deep, you know, and, and I really started figuring it out maybe just five years ago. So those are the claims of this guy. Okay, and then he says, oh, yeah. So, so initially he said in 1891, he says, no, uh, uh, Isa is dead, never coming back. I'm Isa. Then, and he says, oh, he was buried in Israel. He was buried at age 33, may, maybe in Galilee, uh, maybe somewhere out there. Then he says, no, <laughs> he lived 90 years longer and died in India. And we found the grave. <laughs> He's <laughs> he he doubles down and, and he finds a grave by some guy named Yuz Asaf in Kashmir. And he says, that's the guy's grave. Well, the people that own the grave say it's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just ridiculous. And, and then we recently checked his source. He quoted the history of Kashmir, which was written like, like um, three or 400 years ago. They say you, this Yuz Asaf character was the son of a local prince. And he existed before Islam got here. He's and he had a mother and all of that. So how could he be Isa al Islam? So so that's the long and short of it, brother. Allah. Mm. So this this really seems to me like uh, what's called the sharpshooter fallacy. Like imagine you're looking at a, a blank wall, right? Just a white wall, and you take a gun and you shoot a hole in the wall. Then you're like, okay, that's a nice shot. You walk up to it and you start drawing the bullseye around the hole you shot and you you say look everyone i got a bullseye right right that's essentially what they're doing they, they have the hole in the wall that this guy is is a prophetic person right and then they start taking what they can and drawing the circles around saying see we have all these evidences for it most of which um are either twisting the words making things up completely um or i guess the whatever it is it falls into one of those two categories and it's, it's, it's really sad, subhanAllah. Because, like, how do you get past the verse in the Quran? Khatam and Khatim and Nabin. The, the seal of the prophets. And seal implies the last of them, right? It implies that. And another recitation, literally, the last of them. You can't get around that. But still, they try and find a way. Um, 
but subhanallah it's 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 crazy and uh um, they actually made that very argument and they said <laughs> they messed up so um and the arguments uh, contradict each other in, yeah. in in the 1920s um they said if it had been hot them then we would believe he's the last prophet, but it didn't. It said Hatham. So when everyone looked it up, they said, oh, you're wrong. Because the Qur'an, both of them are accepted. <laughs> That's equally good enough. So then they said, okay, we believe he is the last prophet, but in terms of law bearing. So it's like, in terms, there's no such thing as law bearing <laughs> in the Qur'an. The um, Qur'an talks about Nabi, and Nabis who are sent to a hostile nation are Rasul. That's it. <laughs> they all follow Allah, whatever Allah tells them. So, yeah, it's all madness. It's all madness. I just mm. smile through it. I try to. <laughs> SubhanAllah. So, this was a movement started basically because of British colonialism. SubhanAllah. Absolutely, bro. The, uh, um, the British, so remember in, in Europe, they can't grow sugar. <laughs> It's too cold, right? So they had to import sugar. And in Pakistan, there's the perfect weather for sugar cane. So, so uh, uh, and diamonds and, and you name it. So uh, India was the, the crown jewel of the British Empire. Wow. So they wanted Muslims to chill out and no jihad. Okay, I forgot to mention the, the jihad part. Mm. Rizal Glamam said he ended jihad in a slick way too. If jihad ends, then Muslims could just basically die out. Because if we're attacked, we can't defend ourselves. That's a part of jihad. Um, also, waking up for Fajr is, is also seen as jihad. Because they're struggling for the, for the sake of Allah. So, wow, subhanAllah. That's crazy. Um, what, what do you think gets people hooked on this? Because... Do you think it's it's lies, distortion, um, omitting certain things? Like if someone were to try and convert somebody else to to Ahmadiyya, they obviously wouldn't give them this full picture we're giving them. So what do they tell them? Yeah, so in Africa, uh, um, Ahmadiyya has, uh, they spread into the British colonies of Africa but before World War II. Not the French colonies, not the German colonies, not the Portuguese colonies, because they didn't like them. But the British were like, well, we're, we're going to import Amadea to West Africa, right? So in West Africa and East Africa, they didn't tell him Mirza Islam claimed to be a prophet. They just said he was a magni, here to save you from the British. So that's what it is. It depends on the audience. Uh, if you're a Hindu, they'll, they'll say, oh, he's Krishna. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? If you're if you're a Shia, they'll start with with the Mahdi. Um, if you're a Muslim, they don't want to talk about the Prophet thing. They're like, let's not even go there because they know they're cooked. So they'll say, let's argue about Isa Laslam being dead or not. And they'll say, dude, look, uh, Ibn Abbas in in Bukhari. It's written in in Bukhari that Ibn Abbas said, "Mutawafika um, uh, means mumituka." Uh, Right. So we looked it all up. Oh, it's not in Bukhari. It's a chapter heading in Bukhari. It's not part of the authentic Bukhari. Right. And what did Ibn Abbas believe? Uh, um, Ibn Abbas and some Muslims did say that Mutawafika can mean death. And the way it could fit is when Isa al-Islam physically returns, he's going to die. You know, and, and, and they said chapter three, verse 55 is out of sequence. Um, 
the phrase wa wa inni mutuwafika wa rafeoka i think right so they said okay maybe rafeoka comes first inni mutuwafika comes second right so that's what ibn abbas is talking about but they're like nope he said you said wafa didn't mean death he says it does and it's like dude but we've given you the context now stop making this argument to people who don't know but they keep making it they won't stop yeah yeah i find that um in fact oh sorry to cut you off in no. fact they're not growing at all i uh, um per my estimation there's 150,000 of them in the whole world wow 150,000 but when you google the stats brother you get 100 million plus yeah so what they did was uh um they claimed to have 200 million in 2002 i thought it was true i mean in 2002 could you figure it out you could lie they were claiming 40 million converts in india alone in 2001 wow. 40 million converts brother in india they got barely 10,000 in the and this is a country of 1.5 billion subhanallah and, and this is where subhanallah uh, um allah has cursed their tongues you know uh uh um some um amdis tried to criticize my arabic i'm like dude okay I'm not an alum. I can read. My dad taught me how, um, um, how to read. I'm not going to leave the Salat at a mosque. You know what I mean? But like in my house with my kids, probably, you know. So so uh, they went through the Arabic of the Khalifa. He makes 27, 20 plus mistakes in Fatiha. And I'm talking basic mistakes. The Ayin. Bro, your Khalifa can't say the Ayin? Like, what are you talking about, bro? That means he didn't learn it as a kid. <laughs> so, subhanAllah. Um, but so in Africa, they get government funding to start schools. And they've been pretending to the world that they, like, for example, in, in Tanzania, that they pretend to have 2.5 million amenities in Tanzania. I looked it all up. It's like 5,000. Right? And it's real easy to figure out. Uh, because they, um, they'll they tell you how many mosques they have. Well, if you only have 10 mosques in the whole country, how can you have 2.5 million adherents? It's just not possible. So, yeah. And so I can reverse uh, engineer and, and go on all their Twitter accounts, all their Facebook accounts, all their research, you know, um, and I'll, I'll spend like a day. I spent like a day on, on, on Tanzania. I was like, two. okay, so here's what they did. Um, there was a Pew Research study, and I don't believe any of those, by the way. Mm. And I'm, I'm like a doctoral dude. This is what I do. So I'm going to tell you, they're all fake. <laughs> so Pew does a research study. They asked 100 Muslims in Tanzania what religion they were. Uh, 15 of them said they were Amazi. Well, they hyperimposed that onto the whole country. And they say 15% of all Muslims in Tanzania are Qadiani Amazi. And it's like, dude, you can't do that. That's just mm. not right. And we, who, who are the hundred that they, that, that they survey? What city yeah. were they in? What men? Was it men or women? Was it in the big city? Was it in a village? You know, if it was in a big city and, and it's, you know, if there's, you know, in Fremont, California, there's hella Afghanis, right? <laughs> right? Right. If you say 20% of Fremont's Afghani, you can't say 20% of America's Afghani. Mm. <laughs> So it's total academic dishonesty. No one's joining. They recently said only 100 people joined in America in 2020, and they spent like $5 million on on uh, DAWA or something like that. Same thing in Canada. Dude, you got 100 people, and out of those 100 people, 
about 80 of them joined because they fell in love with a girl <laughs> or a guy. And so, so you, so an MD can't marry outside of Amadea. For them to marry someone legally and kosher, whatever you want to call it, that person's got to convert to Amadea and wait a year and pay money for a year. Then they'll let you marry them. What? Yeah, like I Mormon church. It, yeah. it is. So, so this is the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons of Islam, uh, even worse than that, even worse than that, because at least the Mormons don't lie about their membership. You know, I think there's, <laughs> there's like a website with a ticker for them, and it's like 10 million, I think, which is possible because they have a state. So, yeah, but yeah man. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to um, the talk about Jesus and, and Tawaffa and, and all this, because I find that a lot of the time, uh, like even with my experience talking to, to Ahmadis, it always goes to Isa alayhi salam. And I feel like the reason for that is because they feel like they have much more substance because they talk about the idea of prophethood. Where are they going to go? If they talk about the idea of, of Khatam and Nabi and Khatim and Nabi and where are they going to go? Right. If they talk about the Hadith as a whole, even. Uh, where, where, where are they going to go? Because the Prophet himself in the Hadith, he said that there will be no prophet after me. So like even with that, where are they going to go? So I found a lot of the time they try and uh, just talk about Isa alayhi salam. And it's because this word tawaffa in the Quran and to refer to uh, what he's saying, uh, Allah says in the Quran about Isa alayhi salam, about Jesus, that uh, he will basically tawaffa, which means uh, according to Bukhari, whatever, one understanding of tawaffa is, is to take the soul away, which means death. So when, when the brother said mot, death, that's what it means. So they latch on to that and they say, look, Allah says he's going to take the soul of Jesus and that means death. He's going to kill Jesus. But in the Quran, the, the way Sunnis uh, interpret it and translate it is uh, I will raise you to myself, right? No, so I, I will capture you. Raising I, is a rafat. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Wafa can mean death. It can also mean sleep. You see what I mean? But in the context of Isa, Islam, Wafa means I took you, I captured you. In, 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 in chapter three, verse five, and chapter five, verse verse one seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if someone can take a filler, really yeah, pull that up. It up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pull it up. So, so in uh, it's uh, chapter three, verse fifty-five. Uh, um, I will I will capture you and lift you towards me. And uh, um, in, uh, uh, interestingly, Mirza Glamam, before he made his claims, he uh, uh, um, translated Mutawafika as the same thing. I will take you. And then later he says, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> um so i usually use the um translation by um dr sheikh mustafa khatab yep that that's the one on alquran.com i think yeah yeah i mean they, they have multiple they have multiple but um, have multiple, yeah, yeah. I, yeah i think it's the first one that pulls up like on default yeah i think so because it's amazing mashallah if anyone <laughs> wants to copy the quran i suggest this one but um yeah. so yeah, uh, remember when Allah said, oh, Jesus, I will take you and raise you up to myself. I will deliver you from those who disbelieve and elevate your followers above disbelievers on the day of judgment. Then to me, you will all return and I will settle all your disputes. So. Um, Read that Arabic. You'll, 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 you'll see it says, 
Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. My bad, my bad. Inni mutawafika warakeoka. So, so some of the Muslim scholars said, okay, maybe this verse is out of sequence, and maybe Rafeoka uh, comes first, then he'll cause Isa to die. It, it, it's like an alternate, but we don't need that, you know, because uh, chapter four, verse one fifty nine, clearly yeah. says before Isa's death. Which what that means he hasn't died yet, right? And then there's another verse, uh, chapter 43, verse 61. Um, Isa al Islam is the a sign of the final hour. Mm. <laughs> and then there's multiple um hadith, the hadith from Sahih Bukhari. So um Amnis will go into the, the, the inauthentic hadith. In Sahih Bukhari, Abu Herrera says chapter four, verse 159. And he connects it with 4361. And he says, Isa hasn't died yet. It's Sahih. Mirza Glam, you, um, you know how he got out of this? How? He, he called Abu, Abu Herrera a gubby, which is so disrespectful. Gubby is every word that means like stupid or like lacking knowledge. Abu Herrera, bro? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like he related like 20% of the Hadith mm -hmm. existed by me. No, you, you 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 can't say he lacked understanding, bro. Yeah, astaghfirullah That's um, wow, subhanallah. That's, <laughs> I mean, I'm I can't even say I'm surprised to be honest. After uh, some of the other things I heard, um, but yeah. So, to uh, you were right about the uh, the word. My bad. Uh, with tawaffa, it uh, means take you, right? I will take you, or capture, as you said. And um, in, in in a lot of cases, it can mean death. It yeah. can't be like it's a word like uh, um and Nabiin can also mean best, but it doesn't take away from the last. He's, the the last is always there, but we can be adventurous and you know say he's also the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it does. It can mean uh to cause death. Mutawat, uh, oh My God, Bismillah. Mutawafika. Pardon me. It's a hard word. Well, well no, uh, the root is wafa. So, so the phraseology mutawafika only appears once in the Quran, yeah. and that's for the uh, last song, right? Yeah. But the, the root word is wafa. Is is wafa? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what does that mean originally? What does root word the root word mean? Uh, it can it, it can have multiple meanings based on context. Yeah. Uh, wafa can mean death, or it can mean a taking. In fact. On yeah. my blog, I found all instances of the root wafa in the Quran. And about half of the time, it means taking, giving yeah. a full reward, uh, <clears throat> you know. Um, and the other half is talking about people dying. So, yeah, yeah. Because uh, in, in, in fact, I believe it's chapter 30, uh, 39, 43. If you can pull that up, um, Allah says we have uh, wafa every night. And um, Allah uh, captures our soul every night, you know, but we're not dead. You see what I mean? So wafa can happen. It, it happens mm. to us every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time we go to sleep, if you, if you take a nap, um, that like really opened me up. I, I said, okay, every night our souls being captured by Allah. That's probably why we dream. Right. And I was like, okay, that's an entirely different uh, um, train of thought. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Speaking of dreams, speaking of dreams, I want to get to that in a minute. But um, I heard since we're on this topic, I heard that um, tawaffa, the word, when they used it originally, it meant to take something, and eventually it became uh, the taking of the soul, and that's when it began to mean death. And and when it comes to sleep, um, 
sleep is like a state of death, except we're not actually dead. Uh, because our, our souls, essentially, Allah takes our souls for that period of time before we return. Uh, so just to clear up the confusion, because a lot of the time, I want people to be prepared. A lot of the time, people will pull up this verse. And I had one sister uh, message me about this, and she was confused because every time Tawafa comes up, it, it means death and so on and so forth. And uh, it caused her some trouble, and it caused me some trouble as well. So I wanted to get that out of the way. I feel like that's the, the argument they really run to, in, in my experience. But speaking right. of dreams, now, speaking of dreams, uh, I heard he said a lot of weird things. Like he saw in a dream that he was God, astaghfirullah uh, and, and all these other things. So can you get more into that, please? Yeah, yeah. So so he claims to be a prophet, but he doesn't see a, a Jibra'il. What what prophet in history didn't see Jibra'il? Right. So it's like, what is this guy even talking about? Right. So he says, no, uh, I'm getting these dreams and I can predict future events. So so one of the first things he says is uh, uh, he wants to marry his niece. He's got like a triple niece. If you live in the village, you know what a triple niece is. That means you're related to her in like three different ways or something like that. So he, he wants to marry this like 13 year old girl. He's like 50. They tell him, no, you're not going to marry her. We're not going to give you our daughter. He said. He says, "Okay, she, if you don't marry her to me, I just had a dream that her dad's going to die in three years. Her new husband's going to die, and she will eventually come to me." Right. So then he has another dream where he sees her naked. It's like, bro, you're talking. To, you're publicly talking about your niece, bro, and you're saying you saw her naked in a dream and she was shaved. And what? What is this? What is this stuff, man? You know. So. So my conclusion on, on all that was, uh, if you take opium, now I'm not sure where you guys are from, in India there's a lot of opium. If you take opium, you will have these crazy dreams and there's scientific like research on this. Um, so he would just publish his dreams. Some of them make no sense. Like his name, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Qadiani, he says that equals 13 years in like some sort of numerology or something like that, or 1400 years. So he says, that means I was supposed to come 1,400 years after Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Astaghfirullah, right? So he's 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 publishing this stuff, and none of them make any sense, man. I, I gave a few examples. Astaghfirullah, what is wrong with this guy, man? You know, and then he says he was pregnant. He says he was pregnant himself, and then he gave birth to Isa, and that's how he became Isa. What is this guy on, bro? The only solution is he's on that opium, that codeine, you know, what the rappers are talking about these days, that lean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. He's on that good stuff. And he doesn't even have to smoke it. Um, they just sprinkle it into their chai in the village back then. So and tell us tell us a little bit about that opium. You know, I, yeah. I went I went into your Twitter and I saw a lot of uh, different, you know, pictures and proofs that you had. You know, I saw opium, I saw wine, you know, I saw a lot of stuff that I didn't think I would see with Ahmadis. Yeah, he's getting wrecked, right? Every day. I mean, because so remember in the village, time stands still. They didn't even have clocks really to where they're like, you you, you got to be 8 a.m. You got to be work. No, 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 no. So. So he's got the opium. Uh, so he never admitted to it in his lifetime. <laughs> Remember that. Remember that. He, he had this uh, a diabetic problem where he says he's got to urinate 100 times a day. He says he's got chronic diarrhea. And he says, I still won't take opium. Even though people, have, doctors have prescribed it for my bad diabetes. I got, I'm a bad diabetic. I won't take it. 
He refused mm. to take it. So after he dies, his sons say, yeah, he was taken off him. <laughs> right? And maybe that's why he never led the prayer. Because <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he's so high on this opium, he can't, you know? And um, so he would stand on the right side of the imam. And I'll tell you a crazy story. He had a follower who, who used to jump rows during Salat and fondle his body during Salat. And this was like a normal thing in Qadiyan. It's like the weirdest story. So this same follower... Um, after Mezaglam died, it came out. He was the guy who'd go and get the tonic wine for him, too. Right? So he's got the tonic wine, port wine, a cocoa wine. He also got a pharmacy, right? Most 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 rappers will tell you, I'm giving drugs out like I don't run, I'm a doctor or something like that. So he's giving it out, right? He's got access to it. Just look at his eyes, you know. There's a famous story. He couldn't open his eyes, right? Like how high can you be if you 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 really can't open your eyes? So that was a deal breaker for me, and that was before I knew all this other stuff. I wow. said he's on it, bro. And one of my cousins, um, one of my nephews, used to always say, "He's like, dude, I just look at his eyes. I'm like, what is he? Oh, I can't because they have his picture in there in, their, in every family's house. It's on the wall. So you could be praying, and you look to your right, it is Mirza." high as heck and he's looking at (laughs) (laughs) so so the opium thing and and i've debated amnes on it i'm they they won't admit to anything dude forget it they're not they're taught to never confess so uh, um even my brother so so i i play a lot of basketball bro and when 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 there's no refs i believe in the honor system but there's a ref bro Okay, let the ref call it. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not here to call stuff on myself. So so I play sports with um um Amnes and they would cheat. Like they could be looking the opposite way, they call a, a guy um out of bounds. And I'd be like, what? Well, you didn't even see this thing, man. You're calling somebody out of bounds and you didn't see it. Like what you you should say you didn't see it. So they would just uh, puppet these arguments. Um they just believe in it, they have faith. They've had some experience, and that's the story. And I'm like, brother, that's okay, whatever. But in, in, in Islam, the first thing Muhammad Sallallahu was told to do was recite. You know what I mean? We're supposed to learn the Quran. We're supposed to read and educate ourselves and read the Hadith. You know, I never read Sahih, Sahih Bukhari when I was a Qadiyani Amri or when I was growing up. You know, uh, in like the last few years, I was reading it, you know, but I had never read it. So as a Muslim, so subhanAllah, um, uh, you know, when when you read all these things, um, even alcohol in Islam, it, it wasn't forbidden to the last six months of the life of Muhammad. So it was forbidden at the end, you know, but you can't go back to it. <laughs> I mean, it's over. It, 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 it's over. So, yeah, um, that's the opium thing. That's how he did it. He lived with some doctors. He lived with his team of ghostwriters. They gave Hutbah for him. They gave speeches for him. And that's who this guy was. The amount of money that I'm thinking, just processing from the the genesis of uh, Ahmed Ghadiani till now, the amount of money well, that they just, they just took. Oh, I just did all the research. So in the UK and Canada, they are forced to publish their balance sheet. In America, they don't have to publish it. In Germany, they don't have to publish it. From what I've gathered from Germany, USA, Canada, and the UK, they're bringing in a hundred million a year 
and they have about uh, 300 million in assets, land, property, buildings. Where the Khalifa lives in the UK, it's a $50 million facility where he lives, right? In pounds, I think it's like 39 million pounds or something like that. So they are killing it right now, right? Uh, and, and we caught them storing money overseas in Panama in like an overseas um, tax-free haven. Right. Mm. Uh, it was a big, big story. Uh, that's how you wash money. You know, Donald Trump had nonprofits. <laughs> you know, he still does. So so what you do is you take your money from your for profit, give it as a donation to your nonprofit. If the money goes out of the country, the accounting standards are not the same. And so you're, an, you're, you're an accounting professor, right? So everything you say, this, this, this is what I teach. I'm like, this is how you hide your money. This is how you launder money. You know, I hope people don't do it, but I can tell them how. Just a quick disclaimer. Nobody launder money. It's a, a legal felony and you will, uh, yeah, be arrested and tried for that. We're not encouraging yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's wow. <laughs> So it's like it's for every reason in the book other than for Allah, right? That that they they started and they continue. Subhanallah. <laughs> I remember hearing that um, soon after the time of the Prophet Sallallahu you had imams come up that would give a khutbah and at the end of the khutbah they would make up some hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said uh, after the after the khutbah give donations to the khatib and and all this stuff give give donations to the man that that gave the lecture after the lecture is done. Um, after they finish giving a lecture, subhanAllah. It's, Allah, it's, it's so pathetic how people, you know, they, they sell the afterlife for mm -hmm. whatever little gain they make in this life, subhanAllah. It's crazy. SubhanAllah. Right, and so on top of that, the British government, so it was beneficial to, to join Mirza Glamen. If you became a Qadiani Amdu in British India, that was a fast track of getting a government job. Because the British government can trust you now, right? If you're with him, do they trust you? Of course. If you're a Muslim, they're like, oh, we don't be, you got to prove it. <laughs> right? But if you're, you're an Amity, you're, you're going to get a good job. So that was the incentive. Um, in Mirza, Mirza Glam claimed half a million uh, Amities before he died. That's a lie. There was like 15,000, barely 15,000. Um, even my dad, my dad converted to Amelia. He, he went to go live with his uncle. And uh, I think his mom, but his mom, you know, my, my grandparents were illiterate. They didn't know what it was, you know, uh, but my dad converted and they gave him a job and they were going to give him a wife. So they, they take care of you like that. They'll give you a woman and now you're in it for life. Wow. Mm. That's wow. So question, is is your family still Ahmadi? About half of them. Uh, my parents still are. Uh, one sibling, one brother, who's who's been trolling me on Twitter for like a year. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but, but it's funny. Everything he says, it backfires. Like he tried to criticize my Arabic. That got smiled to Jannah and Muzzy Buzz to go through uh, the Halifa Surah Fatiha. <laughs> they found like 20 plus mistakes. So it's everything that they say against me. Alhamdulillah, it backfires on me. Bro, so, bro. what's what, sorry not to cut you off. What's your brother's name? Uh, Huram Shah. Okay. Does he have? Does he Huram have? Shah? Yeah. His um Twitter is at Huram Shah seventy four. 
Okay, okay, because that there is one brother um who went on Smile to Jenna and he debated with him on, on Instagram and that stuff. I want to make sure it wasn't the same person. No, it's not. That's um Abu Taha. Abu Taha. Uh, or, uh, and I think his other name is is, is Osama or something like that. Yeah. Me and him actually had a TikTok battle because so I make a TikTok finally, right? Like everyone's you gotta make a TikTok account and, <laughs> and, and, and expose these guys. I'm like, no, no, dude. A, a year later, I do it. I bump into this guy. He makes a video about me calling me an alcoholic, calling me uh, just you name it. And I, I just laugh like I do. My dude, I'm in my 40s, bro. I don't do drugs. I don't even smoke cigarettes, dude. Like, look, I got all my hair, bro. Listen, <laughs> listen, bro. I I play a lot of basketball. Ask Amity's about me, you know, because when when I was in my mid 30s, I was or like early 30s, I I was still a Kadiani Amity, and I'd play basketball in the different leagues. I'm still fast. That's what I'm into. I try to drink water all day. You know, um, now I eat hello. So as a Gadiani Amity, we used to eat at Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we'd eat whatever. It was not a big, big deal. So as I became a Muslim, you can't do that. You know, so, so now I eat from the halal. And in the Bay Area, there's so many halal joints. It's like, you have no excuse. So. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah. But I'm um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were talking about your family and getting trolled on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of my cousins are still in it. The majority of them, out of respect for their parents, have backed off. You know, they just want to back off. Their parents will die in the next 10 years. The older generation is about to die off in the next 10 years. And then they'll say something. You know, um, I, I was like the first one in my family from the men to go to college, to graduate college. So I, I felt as if I was like, hey, I got nothing. I'm not financially connected to anyone. So I can't, I, if I got to be the first, I got to be the first, man. Mm. And, and I'm Bengali myself. So, you know, I had a brother reach out to me on Instagram. Obviously going to leave names out of this, but he's a subscriber. He's a viewer of our podcast. He's Bengali too. And he's like, bro, I'm Ahmadi. But after watching some of your videos, I'm kind of questioning my faith. And there's a disparity between uh, real Islam and Ahmadi. I'm thinking like, bro, I was born in Bangladesh, not like I was born here. I, I lived there for four or five years. And looking back, I didn't, I didn't know anyone that was Ahmadi. But you do a little bit of research and it's like Ahmadi's there too. And you talked a little bit about it on Twitter. But this guy just doesn't want to leave because he's like, oh, he's concerned about his parents. But, you know, then I started talking to him. And I'm like, bro, how are you going to act like Ibrahim salam didn't have, you know, differing views with his own father when he was getting revelation? And right. he was an idol worshiper. This isn't right. new. This is this has been from the dawn of time, and not just um, Ibrahim al-Islam, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He did everything opposite to his uncles and his dad, and every, he flipped Arabia and said everyone's wrong. <laughs> so Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah. If I had to do a, something similar at, at a smaller level, I said, okay, bro, I, I I can't keep quiet anymore. This is out of control. On top of that, they're robbing my family for the month, you know, on the, the financial aspect, the time, you know, because they have Sunday, not Sunday school, but like general meetings on Sundays, you know, and then they got these other conventions you got to go to. And all the kids are, are, are like cutting school. We're all we're all hanging out in the parking lot. We don't want to listen to these speeches and we don't want to do all of this. So it's like, you know, drop the charade, brother. Come to Islam. It's so much easy. The number one thing I tell them is just pray five times a day. That's literally the, the main part of it, you know, and then Ramadan comes around, you know, and go to the mosque. Obviously right now, not, it's not so easy, 
But when <clears throat> I used to go, I go to the mosque all the time, bro. All the bros are there. We got a basketball court in the back. It's good, man. How it should be. Talk talk a little bit about that. Going to that. So, how much money did they take from you, your family, uh, just growing up? Do you do you, do you recall them like your your parents donating or you know them just subscribing to this agenda? Yeah, yeah. So so we're in the hood in downtown Pittsburgh, California. Not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You drop the H. It's Pittsburgh, California, and it was named <laughs> after Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's a steel town. Uh, uh, there, there's a huge steel mill. And uh, um, so America produced more steel in World War II than the entire world combined, right? So, so this is the major West Coast port. Uh, it's an inland port. Um, that, um, that's where I'm from. Um, and uh, uh, so my dad's got the small business. Instead of us growing our small business, all the profit my dad's given up. We work seven days a week. Our, our house leaks. Um, it's terrible. People w- would come to our house and get scared because of, of the neighborhood, you know. Uh, and my elder brother, you could be in the hood and not go outside too. Like there was, there's people who do that. I'm an outside kid. I'm outside on my bike. I'm not afraid of anything. All the boys in the hood know who I am. My uh, my other brother, I had another brother too. You know, um, we're not afraid of anything. So you work seven days a week. From how how old were you? Age seven. Since I was seven, from age seven to 18, I worked seven days a week with my dad, never missed a day, never got a day off. He never gave me a nickel. Um, And as I graduated high school, I started asking questions. Okay, am I a business owner? Do I get added to, is this a partnership? You know, I grew up around business. I grew up around my uncle's owning property. You know, um. I think Allah put it in my heart, the business side, to say, hey, I'm getting robbed, you know, and I- I'm a big hip hop head, or I used to be, not anymore, I'm too old now, but uh, um, Ice Cube had the song, uh, No Vaseline, right, and he was talking about business, and he was talking about how uh, Easy e robbed everyone, right, so I, I, I kind of had this in, in my head, and I saw um, my dad making business deals with people, and people would rob him, and get over on him, if they were an Amity, he wouldn't care. My dad gave this guy a gas station that he had. He just sold it to him for here. Just take the paperwork. You know, um, he's giving away stuff. He's giving uh, Amity's jobs. You know, people who aren't qualified. How do you hire someone that's not qualified, you know, to work maintenance? You know, in maintenance, you got to be dumb in you. You know, you got to be dumb and strong, too. You know, you can't be, like, nerdy and know the books, you know. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's funny because in the Air Force, I'd be in the classroom, a guy would get a 99, right? And I'd get like a 91 or something. And then we'd go out to the aircraft. He can't even lift the toolbox. You know what I mean? You know, so, so like there's a lot more to it. So I just, I saw all that and I said, okay, do I get, when do I get paid? Or do I get paid? Do I get a car? Like, what do I get? And they were like, no, you don't get anything. You're our slave. And I was like, but, I, I don't want to be a slave to the Amity movement my whole life. And then I'm 30 years old and I didn't go to college. I at least need to go to college. Like, why are we giving everything away? You know, it, it, that's not. And as I grew up, I found out that's not even Islam. In Islam, you, you have to take care of your unmarried children. You got to take care of your parents. You know, you, the, these are like requirements in Islam. You know, and then if you have money left over, you pay zakat. You know, and zakat is only for people who made money, not if you're poor. 
and, and, and you're living in an area that has street prostitution is a norm. You know, in my in where I live, we would, you know, there was homelessness and street prostitution. And they all know us. We all know them because we walk outside. There was no phones or nothing like that. So we're all outside as much as possible, you know. So so I'd come home from work and my, my dad would let us sit in front of the house and um, hang out with our friends in front of our house till midnight. So we, we, we'd be out there seeing all, all, all the craziness, you know, um, and I knew how people were getting over on people. So I'm like, dude, I'm not going to let these guys rob me, even though I still believed in, you know, I, I, I said I'd, I'd come back to it later. So come to find out, Chanda is what they call it. It's not in the Quran. <laughs> not at all. You know, the only category it could fit is, is Sadaqah, under Sadaqah. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. It's, it's hard to believe that people stay so dedicated to something like that. But when you add in the fact that they're given all these, you know, worldly privileges, then it starts to make sense. SubhanAllah. Wow. Yeah. And their, their, um, their imams are all doing well. So they get the majority of the money because I found it on the, on the balance sheet. The, uh, um, the Amni Marabis get are living good. And they're, uh, you can call them the shareholders. So it's the Mirza family and their group of Marabis. And their kids are, are, are super dedicated to the Jamaat. And they, they get other people to give money. They used to come to my dad's house and say, how many gas stations do you own, Shah Saab? You know? And then my, my, my dad would be like, like, and I'm looking at my dad like, none, dude, we lost them all. You gave them away. Like, we don't own any. So they'd be like, give us, give us 20,000. And my dad would, would cough it up. Cash. Jeez. Jeez. It hurts me to see any any wording online even that, you know, when you Google Ahmadi, it's a sect within Islam or it is an Islamic movement. It's a postmodern, liberalized Islamic movement or whatever you see. And it's like, I just hate this tie with Islam. Yep. And so um, they're just like the Baha'is. Uh, Baha'u'llah also claimed to be uh, like Asa, al-Islam. He had a lot of similar beliefs, and, and Mirza Ghulam copied, but the Baha'is separated from Islam. And that's what, what, what is the difference. Whereas um, um, Ahmadis, uh, Qadiani Ahmadis, are looking to substitute Islam. The, um, they're looking to get Muslims to convert. So that's why Muslims, in, you know, in, in Pakistan in 1974, uh, they were um, declared non-Muslim by like the constitution you know um yeah so 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 then in 1984 so so then they got the persecution angle they're like oh we're a persecuted community community a lot of people in america i knew people who converted just because amadea was allegedly a persecuted community and they never read no arguments they just want to be part of a persecuted community and that's weird but whatever you know and then uh, the Qadiani Amis will make a parallel to Muhammad وسلم, and the early Meccan Muslims and say, we're persecuted just like them. Yeah. So how's your relationship with your parents now? Uh, they won't answer my phone calls. Uh, we had a, dude, we had squashed it a year ago, about a year ago. One of my cousins died. And my parents squashed it with me. Some of my nephews were like, you know, in, in, in Islam, you can't keep a grudge with your brother for more than three days. It's in the Hadith. You can't do it. 
You know, why, why are you guys boycotting him? So, um, so my dad called a truce, but it didn't, it didn't last more than two weeks. You know, he, all of a sudden, he doesn't want me speaking about Amadea. You know, and I'm like, uh, so you want to silence me? I'm like, this is like a strategy from the headquarters of Amadea, silence him. Well, okay, mm. I'll be friends with you again if you silence yourself. And I'm like, uh, but I, I mean, why? Why is that the, you know, I, I don't go to my dad and say, hey, let's talk about religion. I want to go fishing with him and just say, I love, you know what I mean? Let's hang out, talk basketball, uh, uh, talk football, talk baseball, something other than religion. You know, same thing with my brother. I don't talk religion all the time with people. You know, it's not like the main topic that comes up. You know, it's other things. You know, I, I play a little chess too. I'm not that good at it, but, you know, um, there's so many other things that we can do, Matt. You know, but they got paid for me, but whatever. I'm, I'm yeah, old. I'm like 40 something. So it's like, not like I'm, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're, you're like, oh, my parents. And when you're older, it's like, I'm a parent. So. Yeah, but still, like, that's, that's your parents. You know, it's like, that is tough nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. May Allah guide them. Yeah. Um, please please oh pray for them. Make dua. I make dua for them every day. So. May Allah accept of course. Bless you, Misty. I don't know. I mean, y'all got any questions before I go to the next one? No. Go ahead. So, Brother Bashir, you made it, you made it unequivocally established that it is so difficult to get in, but it's even more difficult to get out. What do they do with people that want to leave? What do they do with people that want to, you know, wake up, kind of just accept reality and realize I've kind of been lied to all my life? You know, we'll talk about, you know, what, you know, your advice to Ahmed Kalyani is what they can do. But what, the, the people that do want to leave, how do they leave? How did you leave? What happened when you left? Did, did anyone help you? Were there, was there opposition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my story is a little bit different because I lost my job. I lost my wife. I lost, uh, basically, I didn't lose my kids, though, because I've always had 50-50 custody. I lost my family. Uh, not all of them, though, just, you know, uh, like the backward ones, I guess, the immigrants, I guess, like the American born are cool. I still talk to them all the time. Um, we even hang out, play sports together. Um, I would suggest if an, at first it's financial independence. You have to become financially independent before you make your jump. Uh, slowly back away and then get your money right. You know, when, once you get your money right. It'll be easier. You can get an apartment. You can move out. But the boycott's going to happen. It's, there's no way it's not going to happen. Um, they cry about persecution. They persecute ex all the time. They, um, my dad told me I, I would die miserably. And I had to be like, damn, Pop. I was like, yeah, like, I don't believe that about you. <laughs> you know, I was like, damn, damn, I hope nothing happens to you or mom, or my elder brother. I pray for you guys to come to Islam. It's not up to me. It's up to Allah. And, uh, and you know, my um, financial um, independence really, really helped me. And I was older. So what, what do you tell a teenager? You know what I mean? A teenager, is, it depends on where you're at in life. You know, but um, just be very cautious. You know, I didn't run and, 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 and go and become a Muslim like the next day. And uh, except I took time. You know, um, so so uh, everyone's different. Reach out to me. There's many WhatsApp groups. I'm actually working with 
with like 20 to 40 uh, ex-families that are Muslim right now. Unfortunately, most ex-families become atheists in the West. Uh, there's about a thousand of them in this Reddit forum. And I've been banned like seven, eight times because <laughs> I'm Muslim and they don't like Muslims over there. <laughs> right. So uh, just come back to the Quran. You know, Islam is easy. Islam and the Quran is easy. So um, find me on the internet, find my blog, or if that doesn't work. Um, most Amdis in the West are, aren't living with Amdi friends. So, like, it's easier to disconnect. You know, I didn't grow up in that circle. Like, where I'm from, there wasn't that many Amdis anyway. In, in the Bay Area, let me, let me just clarify, there's probably a thousand total. And that number's dying fast. Out of those thousand, about half of them are new generation kids who stopped showing up, stopped giving money. So they're already gone. So um, it's just a matter of time. So I guess that's the best advice I can give, brothers. Jazakallah khair. And what's, what's uh, your blog called? Where can people find it? Um, Amadea Fact Check blog. Um, hashtag it. You'll find the Instagram page. You'll find the TikTok. You'll find uh, Twitter. At, on, on Twitter, I use my real name, uh, at Bashir, capital A, underscore Shaw. Um, uh, yeah, on Facebook too. Uh, I just downloaded Telegram because some uh, some new ex uh, amnes wanted to talk to me on Telegram. I'm on WhatsApp too. There's so many channels. It's out of control. You, you sent me some of your, your 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 things on WhatsApp, so I'm gonna link all of them. You can always you know get in touch with me uh, as soon as we're done this, and I will remember to link everything. And guys. If you don't follow anyone, if you don't support anyone, support this brother because he doesn't get money out of this. He doesn't he doesn't get compensation out of this. If anything, he's just getting more enemies out of this for speaking the truth. So if you want to follow someone, you want to support someone, you want to share any video, it has to be this video. Please do, you know, and we're we're trying to shut down Amadea and bring bring brothers to uh um, to Islam. And I, you know, my YouTube channel is not monetized. This is my hobby, my number one hobby. Uh, basically, it was pick up basketball, but now, you know, uh, and hopefully pick up basketball will come back, you know, but I've done enough work to last me a few years. So no worries. Perfect. And for anyone, before we wrap it up, that wants to check out your blog, what will they find there? They will find the truth about Islam. So for example, uh, the twists and the turns. Some Muslims said um, Isa al-Islam might have died before he was Rafah and, and Allah is going to give him a new body. Well, this is, it's, it's, we don't know. You know, these are things that are, we don't know how um, Allah got uh, Isa al-Islam to bring a dead person back to life. We don't know. We don't know how Allah made the stick of Moses turn into a snake. We don't know. What we do know is Isa al-Islam bin Maryam is going to physically return to the end days. That's a certainty. There's yakin on this, right? So we stick, and when it comes to Islam, stick to the clear things. Don't go to the vagueness and try to find a way out. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, in, in chapter 3, verse 7, Allah says, uh, this, is, this is, you know, the, the Quran which we revealed. In it are verses which are clear. And they're the foundation of the book. And other verses are ambiguous. And Allah actually talks about the people who rely on the ambiguous verses and false interpretation to spread misguidance and mischief in the land. Allah already talks about it. Allah is basically telling us, don't take the ambiguous verses as foundational ones because you're just going to end up 
spreading misguidance with your, your misinterpretation. SubhanAllah. I feel like that's all of Ahmadiyya summarized. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Yep, you hit the nail on the head, brother. Alhamdulillah. Absolutely. All right, brother, inshallah ta'ala, we get you back on um, sometime. This should be more than enough for people to not only get more information on Ahmadiyya, but some information if they didn't even have any. If they came here and they saw this title and they're like, what is, what is Ahmadi? What is Ahmadiyya? But hopefully now they have something to take home, something to share with their family, something to share with their friends, maybe even some something to contemplate on if they're in that position that you were once upon a time, brother. But it takes courage, so I commend you. Um, Barakallah Fiqh. And uh, to anyone watching, uh, remember, subscribe, tune in, follow this brother. Rami, and yep. I got some last words, though. Let me, Go let for me it. present Go for it. one last argument that, 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 that'll, that, that'll blow your mind. Uh, uh, Amdis don't believe that Isa al-Islam was miraculously born. Their fourth Khalifa, Astaghfirullah, Nausbillah, said uh, uh, Maryam was a hermaphrodite, and she impregnated herself. So, and then that is just, I mean, how wild can we get? Then the Lahori Amdis, they said that Isa al-Islam had a biological father. So, it's just, it's just uh, the more you read, the more ridiculous things you will find. And the shout outs in Pakistan, we have many channels. Um, Shamsuddin, um, Irfan Barak, uh, uh, AK Sheikh from Canada, um, Umar Han from California is my boy. Um, who else? And I'm, I'm blanking right now. Um, Akakaka Galam, a Hatmin Abuwa channel. We got Urdu stuff, we got German stuff. We're, we're, we're hitting these guys hard with love, with compassion. Uh, Farhan Yusufzai, he's my boy. Uh, uh, and we, we are here, and we're here to give this information with love to Amadis. We don't hate any Amadis. We love you guys. We just want to bring you guys home, and that's it. Happy, may Allah bless you and all the brothers on this project and reward you for all the good you do and grant you the highest levels of Jannah. Um, Allahumma ameen. If you made it this far on the podcast, comment true Islam in the comments. May Allah bless you all for watching. Hashtag, hashtag true Islam, as Rami said. Jazakallah khair. May Allah bless you all for watching. With that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhabinar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.